You ready? Yeah. You ready? All right, hold on. Here we go. What's going on, everyone? This is the My Aggie Nation podcast. I'm, I'm joined by a familiar face over here. It's one <laughs> President Zachary Taylor. I don't know if it's that familiar. It's been a while. Yeah, it has been a while, I'm Zach, my buddy. Mac mic up here. I'm not used to having to hold it. I know. What's what's going on, buddy? Not much, man. Well, Just living the life. This is Zach's last day at Bryan Broadcasting in the sports media world. So, of course, as one of the founding fathers of this podcast, we, we had to do another segment. Oh, that's right. I forgot. Yeah, just call me the godfather, founding father. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah something yeah. like that. Yeah, no, we had to, had to do a little reunion tour, uh, short-lived reunion tour. Um, but, yeah, I'm going to be getting out of uh, media. Been in it for 11 years now, which is a long time. Hard to believe it's been over a decade. Mm-hmm. Getting to cover Texas A&M, my alma mater. Uh, but, uh, yeah, just, just kind of one of those situations where it's time for a change personally and professionally. And so I'm sticking around town though, which is good. So we can still hang out outside of work. Thanks, but we probably um, actually have more time to, we probably will. Cause our schedules, our schedules certainly don't really sync up much. Uh, we kind of are two ships passing the night these days, mm-hmm. but been doing morning radio for, uh, last four and a half years, five and a half years. And, um, finally decided that I want to wake up when normal people wake up. Well, I want to, I want to delve into that a little bit more. So before we end this segment, we're going to talk about your last 10 years here, some favorite moments and stuff like that. But okay. for the sake of the podcast, we, we got to break down a little bit of what's going on right now. Okay. Give the That's people fine. what they want. It's been a while since we've talked to you. So let's just start off with, with a bang. Let's shoot from the hip. Paterno. Patrino, excuse me. Paterno. Paterno. <laughs> let's Paterno. not get started there. Yeah. Oh, Paterno. Uh, what yeah. do you think? Oh, if if they can avoid um, some real disarray in the coaches coaches room and the coaches office, I think it can work. I don't think you're going to find anybody who's going to question whether or not Bobby Petrino is a good offensive mind. Uh, can he work with Jimbo Fisher? Can those two egos work together? Not just in the in the coaches room, but on the sideline as well. Um, you know, at first, given given Bobby Petrino's background and everything that has transpired, and I think what even more so from Arkansas is, is what happened in Atlanta when he was the head coach of the Falcons and seemingly skipping out in the middle of the night to leave. Uh, I think that that's more of a, a glare on his reputation than possibly what happened in Arkansas, which obviously personal issues, I think nobody – look, what happened as far as between him and another woman outside of his marriage, that – happens unfortunately quite a bit uh in the coaching profession but you know it's it's what transpired about lying to the administration and things like that but i really think him kind of skipping out on atlanta is what is what the glaring thing is on his resume that was a long time ago though um we live in a a land of multiple opportunities especially if you're a talented offensive mind like bobby petrino is um I, I will say that his offenses at Central Missouri were not, uh, at least in this last year, were not splendid. I get that you're working with a little bit less talent, especially at the FCS level. I think it had been however long since they had last, or Missouri State. I said Central Missouri. Missouri State, uh, I think it had been forever since they had actually been back to the to the playoff there in the FCS. Um, so all of that to say, the more I thought about the hire, the more it kind of grew on me. Um, a lot of people wanted the young gun, like like Garrett Riley. They wanted a, a young offensive mind that was really going to energize this group. But I think that that would be 
one of the hardest type offensive coordinators to work with Jimbo Fisher. With Jimbo, I think he sees Bobby Petrino more as a peer than he would a young offensive coordinator in his 30s like Garrett Riley who would be coming in. So I think Petrino is a guy who very easily, and just from everything that I understand about his personality, he's been around the block, he knows a thing or two, I think he would be okay with telling Jimbo, this is my offense, go away. (laughs) And Jimbo would be much more inclined to listen to him than he would a 30-something-year-old OC who, one, would either give in and say, Jimbo, okay, I'll do what you want me to do, or B, would butt heads with Jimbo, and Fisher's not going to take that from a younger guy. I've said this multiple times on this podcast and other places that this is going to go amazingly or it's going to be a dumpster fire, and I don't really see any in-between with it. Um, Yes, he's going to have some better talent here. He's not going to have a whole lot of depth, especially at – Running back and a little bit at wide receiver. I know Anaya Smith coming back was was a was a big hit, but I don't see this going any way except for really really good or or bad. Because I, and I think part of that too is probably that bad is a much higher is much bigger bucket than good. Uh, yeah, because more things can go wrong more, than right. And and even you know maybe a winning season isn't necessarily going to be good. I know it was five and seven last year. They need to turn around. They need to get back into bowl contention, all that. But I, I think with, with the way things have gone for Jimbo Fisher, they, they got to be back in the nine, 10 win region quickly um, or, or things could go bad for him. So uh, yeah, I, I just, I don't know. I'm, I'm a little pessimistic on this. I do think he's a good offensive mind. I just, I don't know, are you going to turn the offensive line around quickly um, from what it looked like last year? Uh, and you had the same offensive line coach. Right. Like, I, I don't know. I think that's – what, what, what gives you hope and what gives you uh, consternation as A&M heads into this football season? Uh, well, what gives me hope is the fact that you do have an experienced offensive coordinator, somebody that has – uh, achieved quite a bit of success at this level. Um, and I think that Connor Wigman will, without a doubt, benefit from having Bobby Petrino there because Jimbo Fisher, as, even though the offense has kind of been his baby, uh, and especially the quarterback position, I think allowing him to keep an eye on everything else, be more of an executive-type head coach, and Bobby Petrino really zeroing in on the offense, I think that that gives a lot of a lot of reason for optimism. You were able to keep a lot of talent on that side of the ball. Uh, you saw Moose Muhammad really uh, come into his own, I think, this year. Evan Stewart, of course, showed plenty of signs, what people expected from him, especially later on in the year. Connor Wigman uh, really showed those signs. The, the running back position and offensive line, the offensive line is going to be one of the more experienced units on the team. But can they play better than they did last year? Because I think in some ways they actually regressed uh, last season, some of those guys. But um, can they pick things back up? So the offensive side of the ball, I I think there's a lot of promise there. Strangely enough, it's going to be the defensive side that I'm kind of some question marks about. And and I know that people look at the statistics and say, well, A&M had the number one secondary in the in the nation last year. It's because nobody had to throw the ball against them because they could run all day on them. Uh, So how are you going to be able to stop the run? You've now lost your linebackers coach in Tyler Stantucci. You've got to find somebody to fill that role. Uh, And A&M lost a lot of big pieces on the defense, if anything from a depth standpoint. And they didn't get a lot back. 
I mean, you look at what happened in the transfer portal, A&M, and it depends on which metric you're using, right? Are you using players that strictly were with A&M? Are you using, using ones that were on the roster? Are you using ones that were on scholarship? But A&M lost 20-plus players. They only got three in the portal. They got three. So the math ain't adding up there. Mm-hmm. And you're already going to have a small recruiting class this year. So depth everywhere is going to be an issue. But when you've got a defense that's going up against some real good SEC talent, how are you going to make those stops? And you've got to have linebackers that are going to fit their gaps because that was the biggest problem for A&M last year is that D.J. Durkin's offense or his defense can stop the run if the linebackers play their gaps correctly. But mm-hmm. they didn't. Mm-hmm. So if you're playing a 3-2, you know, a 3-2-6 or whatever they happen to be playing um, – you gotta you gotta figure out something there. You gotta be able to stop the bleeding on that. So the defensive side's really where I've got the question mark. I think yeah. the I think the offensive side is gonna be much, much better this year. Yeah, I, I agree. I think I mean TCU making the national championship is a perfect case in point of a three man front can play pretty good defense up until that national yeah, championship. Yeah, up until game. the final game. Uh, but the <laughs> way that they the stopped game. Michigan was which was they were gonna ground and pound and run the ball. It was all about the fits, having that that three-man front, and that is a really huge question mark. The one thing that was maddening to me, and it still kind of is, is that you bring in DJ Durkin with this scheme, with this three-man front. When you look at what A&M, as far as recruiting, has done over the last – well, ever since Jimbo Fisher got here, it's been imperative in the trenches, and the best units that they have recruited have been at the defensive line. Well, it's been like that since someone's been here, too, really. Well, but my argument is, if that is where you have the most talent, why would you not do everything you can to get that talent on the field? Why would you play three defensive linemen instead of four? I understand that that doesn't necessarily work with all the schemes, but time and time again, we saw A&M getting gashed on the ground, particularly with the quarterback, when a spy was not staying on him and and just running over the defense. And I will say, to, to, to put a little bit of an asterisk on that, a lot of times when they did have three down linemen, it was someone like Anaya White who was stood up as kind of an outside linebacker. Kind of a joker. Um, kind of a joker type situation that – you know, they, they, they might lean a little bit more than that, but you're, you're not wrong. There, there's some really good inside um, defensive line talent that, that yeah. are, isn't gonna, didn't see a lot of time on the field and potentially might not moving forward. That's a, that's a good point. Let's pivot because we are here pivot. currently in Reed Arena. Talk a little A&M hoops. Yeah, why not? Uh, I mean, let's just, again, let's, let's fire from the hip here. They, they, is this a tournament team? They just uh, made a huge win at... Uh, Auburn, they they then they lost at Arkansas. Yeah, a little bit up and down right now after a, a hot start. Where where do you think this team is? If they continue on their path that they have in the SEC, despite the bad losses in non conference, I, I don't know how you can leave them out. I mean, they're currently tied for second in the conference at seven and two. They have these big wins at Auburn, which is not an easy place to 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 win at all. Um, you know, they got the, the top 25 ranked team win over Missouri. Now they're going to have to make up some ground. They're, they're going to have some really good teams coming here and they're going to be going, they've got Bama at the very end of the regular season. And uh, it's hard to believe because I, I thought for sure they were toast in the non-conference. They go to Myrtle beach and completely lay an egg when they lose to Wofford at home. I think everybody had them written off at that point. At this, at this juncture, I think they're still on the outside looking in. I know people hate to hear that, 
but you have to factor in the entire year in the non-conference was abysmal. And we can get in all the stats, the Joe Lenardi deal, whatever. Um, if they continue on this path, though, if, if they play the really the second half of SEC the way they played the first, and they have a decent showing in the SEC tournament, I think that they are an NCAA team. And I will say this, Buzz Williams needs them to be an NCAA team. Mm-hmm. If they don't make the dance this year, this is year four, correct? Yes. COVID always throws me off because yeah. I almost feel like that wasn't an actual year. Four. Year. year four, I I really don't know. I don't know if there's a lot of reason that you can give to retain. No, year five. Year five. This is year five. Time flies when you're having fun. Yeah. Or in A&M's case, they haven't made the NCAA tournament, so it hadn't been all that fun. Um, but you can say, wow, the team, the team played great at the end of the year, but too little too late. Mm-hmm. You got to play well the entire season. And I understand that the big names are going to get the benefit of the doubt. You're going to get the Kentuckys in there. You're going to get teams from the old Big East that are going to somehow make it in despite a, a marginal schedule and marginal uh, win-loss record. But, yeah, if you're Buzz Williams, you need to make the tournament this year. When you look at games like this one in Georgia coming up, I believe it's a quad two uh, game against the, the, the Bulldogs. You, you, I mean, you have to win those games because the only losses you might have margin in are, are quad ones, the, mm-hmm. the top uh, 50, top 35, depending on where the, uh, the, the, the venue is. You, you, you got you to get those wins, and it starts with uh, Georgia this week. But, but when you look at – just accumulating wins, period. Buzz has that plus-minus system of if it's a road win, you get a plus one. If it's a home loss, you get a minus one, and everything else in between is a zero, and they need to be about it, plus three, plus four. you, you got to argue that if they want to finish around plus three, plus four in that system, they're probably going to have to get to plus five, plus six before they hit that last two weeks of the season where they play both Alabama and Tennessee because I don't think that those – our wins against this A&M team with how well those two teams have been playing um, this oh, yeah. season. Tennessee so especially, yeah. You really got to rack up the wins. And, and it starts uh, this this weekend, this Saturday, against Georgia. We talked to him today. It also starts at the free throw line and making layups because that's been the bread and butter of A&M's offense through the stretch through conference play. And uh, they were the lowest mark at at-the-rim field goal percentage and at free throw percentage this season was last week uh, – uh, against Arkansas, uh, and or excuse me, this week against Arkansas, and uh, those, I mean, they, they, they have to have, I, I, it's 25% of A&M's scoring this season has been from the free throw line. If they're not hitting free throws, they're not winning games. Yeah, and we've, we've discussed it a little bit in the press conference that we just had with Buzz Williams. Olin Buchanan was asking him about it, you know, did he think that the logistical nightmare that they had getting to Fayetteville might have played a little bit of a role, because the guys came in, they didn't have shoot around, suddenly they're having to make free throws in a pretty testy environment. Uh, I know that Buzz had brought it up as well about as far as basketballs. Uh, they've been practicing with Nike basketballs because Arkansas is a Nike school versus Adidas, which A&M is. And A&M is not making excuses whatsoever. Uh, Buzz Williams did not make any excuses about the travel. At the end of the day, you still have to be able to go out and perform. As you mentioned, the free throws were an instant, were, were, were an issue. Buzz had brought up in his post game. Uh, after the loss to Arkansas, that those second chances at, at the rim, uh, offensive rebounds, he said, were a real glaring uh, issue that they had in that ball game. So that's something else that they're going to have to work on. Because A&M, A&M's not going to be the biggest team out there. They have more size this year than they have, but they're not going to outmuscle you. So they have to be able to outwork you. They have to be able to outthink you. Um, 
And I, I think that they have that capability. This team has shown that it does. It has that veteran presence. Uh, Henry Coleman III has been playing great of late. He's had back-to-back 18-point performances. Wade Taylor the fourth, been playing very, very well as, uh, as well, putting up plenty of points. Um, but A&M, like it said, they've got to beat the teams that they need to beat. I, at this point, I don't think they can – deal with any surprise losses. Mm-hmm. And the thing that popped into my mind after they be, had that big win at Auburn, what's going to happen with Vanderbilt? Because you're coming off a high, you just beat Auburn, knocked off their big-time win streak at home. How are you going to answer back? It was a close ball game. And they, they did get the win over Vanderbilt, but it was not easy. This might be another kind of situation. Could Georgia somehow come in and play spoiler at Reed. If that was the case, then it's certainly an uphill battle. Before we uh, get to the little closing segment of this segment, quick thoughts on baseball. It came off a good year last year. Do you think they're able to uh, to follow that up? They did, and I think I think Schlossnagel's going to have a little bit more talent out on the mound. Uh, he's going to have some young guys. Baseball is another one of those sports where you'll see freshmen really coming in and playing a big role, guys you might not have heard of because baseball is not as um, – Pro proficient, or I wouldn't proficient wouldn't be the right word, but it's not as prolific uh, about the talent coming out of the high school ranks as far as scouting. They don't have the rankings on ESPN, whatever. Uh, so a lot of fans might not recognize the names that are going to play big roles. You've got a lot of playmakers from last year that are going to be coming back, which I think is important. But the thing that really stood out to me last year, and you had good pitching performances, but you didn't have anybody who was lights out on the mound. Mm-hmm. And you look at the teams that Schlossnagel had at TCU, you had some really, really good pitchers. I'm talking about MLB caliber top four-round pitchers. Mm -hmm. So can A&M get that talent out of the mound? Can they get the most of it? Um, Offensively, I think they're going to swing the bats just fine. Schlossnagel's MO, right? Take your time, slow the game down. Gonna be long and drawn out, but you get productive at bats. I don't, I don't like that. I know you don't. I don't. <laughs> I, I don't. You, I don't enjoy <laughs> especially, this. Is... Especially whenever it's uh, opening weekend and it's 32 degrees outside, and you're having to watch a three and a half, four hour game. Yeah, we, um, you know, we're gonna get into here in a second your 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 married life, being a married man now, and how a family might affect. <laughs> it's, been, uh, it's been that way work, for a little your bit. Your work yeah. life balance and four hour uh, football, or excuse me, baseball games. Yes. Don't really help the uh, the work life balance very much. No, no, and the three forty five a.m. alarm clock doesn't help <laughs> much either. Um, so yeah, uh, ever since I'd been doing morning morning radio, and, and I started when I was still single, it really did not allow me to go to those midweek games like I had used to. Because used to I'd come to all the basketball games, try to make as many baseball games as possible, um, and that obviously stopped it in the middle of the week, the weekends. And unlike other people that work at your station, you'd stay past halftime. Yes, yes, unlike other people. Uh, shout out Chip Howard. Uh, <laughs> I, I didn't say it. You didn't say I it. I didn't say it. You didn't say it, but I'll go ahead and say okay. it. I don't care. I'm not going to work with him anymore. No, Chip <laughs> Chip, Chip always uh, – and he'll go home and watch the rest of the yes, game, and, and he has plenty yes, of thoughts will. on it. He's, he's old school that way. But, um, yeah, for me, obviously in the, in the middle of the week, the midweek games, that pretty much became – a thing I could not do anymore. And then once I got married, that certainly took took some time. Uh, we've been married two and a half years now. 
And then the kid comes along and just completely ruins everything. But also literally came out of the womb with the exact same hairstyle that you have. Yes. Yeah. He's got great hair. Mm-hmm. Uh, he has since he was born, mm-hmm. since he was a babe. Mm-hmm. Now he's 18 months old and looking like a grown man. Uh, but he's got a beard. How, how soon he's, got a five beard? O- he's got a five o'clock shadow. <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah, no, he's, he's a great kid. And I want to spend as much time with him as possible. And it certainly makes things difficult, you know, being able to make as many games as I can and being able to cover A&M while also doing a morning show at 345, taking care of the afternoon sports, which plays at 5 o'clock. Um, For a while, they were having to deal with me once a week. And having to deal with you, mm-hmm. which was really adding years to my life. And so, uh, yeah, it, it's one of those deals I want to be able to just kind of enjoy this this time, this moment, uh, spend as much time as I can with him while also staying in a place that I love, which is Bryan College Station. So, um, but I'm excited. I'm excited for the next chapter. It's going to be a lot of fun. I'm not going anywhere as far as town and things. I can actually enjoy being a fan for the first time in a long time. So Okay, good. So let's look back at a, a decade-long career here uh, in, <laughs> in Bryan College Station. It sounds like it's a retirement well, thing. Yeah, what, well, I mean, you are. Yeah. You're, you're, you, you are. You're, you're retiring at a, at a ripe age of 32. Thirty-two. Yeah. Thirty-two. Yeah. So, uh, some of the highlights of of A and M athletics going back in this time in broadcasting. I mean, besides getting to meet you. I mean, we I were going to get to we were going to get to we that. We were going to get second. to that. That was going to we be the number one that. on my list. Oh gosh, uh, hard to hard to beat. But the first year out of college covering the team is when Johnny Menzel won the Heisman Trophy. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know any better. I was just like, oh, this is how football is all the time here. <laughs> of course, I knew better because I had gone to school here and I'd seen how bad it could be. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was thinking, oh, wow, that things are things are different now. We've turned, turned over a new leaf. A&M is going to be New Year's Six Bowl bound every year. They've got a Heisman Trophy winner. Sky's the limit. And then it kind of went downhill. Then it came back up again. Then it went back downhill again. So we'll see if uh, Jimbo Fisher and company can right the ship eventually on that. But that was pretty cool, getting to cover the second Heisman Trophy winner ever in Mm -hmm. A&M history. I mean, I obviously wasn't around for John David Crow. I think Cease was, what, 50 when that happened. Yeah, Uh, Something like that. Yeah, Robert Sesta had only been on the beat for the last 25 (laughs) years when John David Crow won it. Um, So, yeah, getting – Getting to cover the Heisman Trophy, uh, getting to cover a regular season championship that A&M had in men's basketball, and that was, of course, the Alex Caruso days of Billy Kennedy. That was pretty neat, getting to see them cut down the nets. That was a highlight. Because um, you're talking about 10 years, man. There's a lot that goes into that. Certainly the relationships, the different places that I've gotten to go because of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't get to travel as much as I would have liked to, but, uh, you know, getting to go to Atlanta, the Chick-fil-A Bowl, getting to... Uh, Crash in our hotel room for the Texas Bowl. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah for the Texas Bowl. Yeah. That was fun, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, it was a blast. Yeah, that couch was awfully comfy <laughs> in the in the home two suites or whatever we were hanging out in. Uh, yeah, but... Uh, Making the relationships with the media, making relationships with players, getting to do interviews with players and kind of seeing them progress. It's hard to believe, though, because sometimes people will throw out a name and I'm like, oh, yeah, you know, they, they graduated like last year, right? No, no, it was three or four years ago yeah. is when they played. And yeah. there's some folks that they know exactly when that person played, what kind of plays they made and stuff like that. For me, it's for some reason, it's starting to run together. And it's yeah. only been 10 years 
I get in the grand scheme of things when you compare yourself like someone, Robert Cessna, mm-hmm. who is who is just a or one Chip Howard or one Chip Howard yeah. who is who has been doing this for quite some time. You know, they they still remember a lot of those things, and they're able to to kind of separate it. With me, some of it's just kind of started to run together, and then you start talking about a guy like Mike Evans, who I covered at A and M, mm-hmm. and now people are saying, "Oh yeah, he's a super, he's a Hall of Famer in the mm-hmm. NFL." And you're thinking, well, I, I just remember talking to him, and he was playing wide receiver for A&M, mm-hmm. and nobody had heard of him. Mm-hmm. And suddenly now he's a, he's a, a Hall of Famer. You, you know, people are talking about how he's a shoe-in. So hard to believe that time passes like it does. Um, but, no, it's been, it's been great. It's been, a, it's been a fun experience. So in sure. 2016 I get here, and we decide that because the My Aggie Nation radio show was going off the air at Brian Broadcasting, we uh, was kaput. We have needed to start a podcast, so mm-hmm. we did that. And uh, I preface all this by saying the podcast will still go on, and you will still have an open invitation to be on podcast wow, that's at high, any time. That's high, high praise but, or high invite, I guess. But it was, it was a little wheels off early. We, uh, we, we, we didn't quite know what we wanted, who we were, what we wanted to be, or what we wanted to do. We, uh, we, we, we were hitting the hard-hitting news. Like, I think our first guest was uh, M- uh, Maggie Malone coming right off of... One of them, yes. Uh, the the, the uh, Olympics. Olympics. I think yep, uh, maybe Shereen Williams might have been our first actual guest, if yeah. I remember right. Gosh, it's hard to believe it. Because um, when you think 2016, that was, that was five years ago. Yeah. Or no, seven. Seven, yeah. I went to A&M. That's why my math is There bad. you go. Um, yeah, no, hard to believe. Yeah, I remember Maggie coming in, javelin thrower for Texas A&M, competed at Rio. Um, we, we also decided we wanted to do bits. We had, and I still get this brought up to me by one Brent Zorneman when <laughs> we, it was back in the day, when this talk about long time ago, back in the day when we got to talk to coordinators every week. Oh, that's right. And Noel Mazzoni that's right. came in, and, and he seemed like he had a goal to get us to, to giggle a little bit. And we, we, we decided we needed to put a laugh track <laughs> to Noel Mazzoni's uh, press conference. Yeah. Uh, a little, little less hard-hitting news back then. Yeah, a little less. Uh, it, was, it was certainly light-hearted. Um, no, I appreciated it, that, though, because, I mean, Noel Mazzoni, you can say what you want to about him as far as an offensive coordinator, but at least he came in, he spoke with us, and it was fun getting to talk with him, and he kept it light. He was... He, he didn't give a lot of coach speech. He was pretty much out there, and it, it was pretty fun to get to listen to him. So we, uh, we, yeah, we put a laugh track behind him, and like he was a comedian that was hanging out doing the Jerry Seinfeld bits. Uh, but yeah, no, that was like one of our, our first bits or whatever. Yeah, and then and then of course one of our recurring at one time I guess was a co-host. Now I know he comes on with you quite a bit. One Jay Arnold. Yes, getting to getting to really meet Jay and become friends with Jay. That was a lot of fun. Um, still friends with Jay. See him around. He was played uh, softball with him. Yeah, played softball with Jay after he ate the chorizo burger from Waterburger. <laughs> we were wondering how that was going to work out running around the bases. I think we also uh, we we had, used to pick all the college football games for the week, and we had Reveille pick the games by just doing a wolfing dog bit uh, 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 drop. I vaguely remember that. Yeah. My, my buddy, who was actually Max Crawford, meteorologist here at KBTX, Whoop. brother-in-law, picked the games for us, and then we had, quote-unquote, had Reveille. It was, it was pretty wheels off. <laughs> it was pretty wheels off. We, as interviewed, opposed, a, as we opposed, interviewed a horse. That's right. Because we were doing the equestrian yeah, stuff. Yeah. Yeah. We did interview a horse. Man, that's hard to believe, you know? I know. I mean, we were just young, 
spry. That was like when I was fat before I got skinny before I got fat again. So it's it's a <laughs> right long the time waves ago. of emotion. Yeah, exactly. Right I'm like waves. I'm like a Matthew Perry on Friends. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, well, no, Zach, I forgot about the horse. Yeah, yeah that no. was a good one. As opposed to the uh, utmost professionals that we are. At this I mean, day we're time. just seasoned. Oh, look at all this gray in our beards, like. That's, that's what, how you know it's real. That's what, and you got that now. Wait till you get kids. Yeah, it's going to get so much, yeah. so much worse. Yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> anyway, well, Zach, uh, thanks for coming back on one more time. Again, thanks, you will. Cheers. You will. Uh, you will be back on again for sure. Oh yeah, I'm all right. Why, you know, me and Alex for the second segment. We already recorded this before. Talked a little Anaya Smith. You want to? You want to pitch it to the second segment? Folks, want y'all to hang out. The Miami Nation podcast going to take a quick break. When we come back. Going to talk some Anaya Smith returning to Texas A&M. You're listening to the My Aggie Nation podcast. What's up, y'all? It's Alex Miller from The Eagle, joined by Travis Brown, here at the Eagle Newsroom. Travis, some big news on the AM football front today. A, a key returning addition to the Aggies. Travis, uh, you had the news this morning. Yeah, Nia Smith is coming back uh, at wide receiver. Um, a, a, a big veteran get for AM, as you would say. He last year was his fourth season. Of course, he went out injured in that Arkansas game, the fourth. Uh, game of the year last year and uh, with a broken leg and was out for the remainder of the year was has spent the, the that time rehabbing and, and working uh, back to full health but he had the decision to make was he going to go uh, to the NFL draft after his fourth season or exercise that uh, I'm not quite sure if it's a if it's using the COVID year or a medical redshirt year it's probably six and one half and dozen the other but but a fifth year uh, back with the Aggies and uh it, they need it because they're wide. While there there is some experience now in that wide receiver room, they lost a lot of their wide their experience, and they needed to to bolster that depth. Yeah, uh, getting Anias back is certainly a win for for A and M for for Jimbo. You think about the guys that left, and you know maybe not being able to close out maybe as as many guys as you would have wanted. I know they we we talked with Colin Deaver last week on the podcast about adding Tyron Smith, um, but. I mean, you think about what Anias has meant to this offense from the day he pretty much got here. I know it took him a it, it took him about half a season to get you know integrated into the offense as a freshman, but ever since then, I mean, he he has been a stalwart on that side of the ball. Yeah, you mentioned it. It was it was he was kind of one of those guys that that fans as soon as he got onto campus were were wanting to see what he had, and and early in that freshman year he. He kind of sparked out and made made a few big plays, and uh, people were really, really leaning on Jimbo, uh, at least from a fan's perspective, uh, to to get him out back on the field more. And he, as the season went on, he saw more action. Uh, you know, he, the Lamar game early in his freshman year, uh, he had six catches for sixty six yards, and you go into the Arkansas game, five catches for eighty yards, had a touchdown in both of those games, and. Uh, wanting to see more of him he saw a little bit more action going through but those were the the big games of that freshman season and then uh his sophomore year was really his his biggest year because that was the year where he was going back and forth between 
uh, wide receiver and running back. He had over 500 yards uh, receiving that season, six touchdowns. Also had 300 yards rushing, the most he's had in a season. And uh, he had 500 yards again his junior season. Last year, of course, was uh, cut down because he missed the season because of injury. But um, he, he's just been a consistent receiver. He, he's never been the leading receiver, but he's been a consistent one. Uh, he, he, he works into that slot more role, that kind of possession role more times than not. And has been really key to AM's quarterbacks on third down. Uh, kind of was especially carving himself into that role before he got hurt last year. Um, but when you when you look at what they bring back, Evan Stewart, who's going to be a sophomore, Moose Muhammad, who's going to be a junior, or yeah, third, third season. Third-year player. Um, third-year player. At this point, it's like first-year player. Yeah, you're right. Third-year third year player. And player. Moose Muhammad, having a fifth-year guy back that can kind of help uh, rally the troops there will be good uh, because there, there's not a terrible amount of depth there. Yeah, I mean, Anum lost four key guys. I mean, you lose Chase Lane, who, you know, had been here forever. Chris Marshall, of course, was a stud early, but, you know, got suspended and, and has since departed. Devin Price, son of, you know, Terry Price, Anum's defensive line coach, defensive ends, and, you know, he was a guy that had got some looks, but never really, you know, emerged as, as a threat. And then Yul Keith Brown, showed flashes of brilliance never really got it clicking and then you know he kind of disappeared at the end of the season it seemed like he dealt with some injury stuff uh and and just didn't get things going AM signed two recruits of course uh raymond cottrell and micah tease you can listen to an interview with micah tease by the way at the eagle.com thanks mm-hmm. to our friends at the tulsa world so yeah i mean whereas wide receiver you know probably a month ago was starting to look like a serious question mark things have really started to shape up in AM's favor at least a little bit i mean i'm not saying this room is great but it looks a lot better than it did a month ago that's for sure you miss the height of chris marshall of course who transferred away because now you have anaya smith at 511 you have micah tease at 511 we have we didn't we didn't even mention uh noah thomas though noah thomas he was he 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 had a very strong blocking role through the first part of the season. But then when it was receivers were going down hurt and they had guys, he stepped up and, and proved that he, he had a little bit of uh, something. So he's a guy that's returned with yeah. a little bit of experience. He, and, and he's a guy, you know, he's kind of the one guy with that height and could potentially maybe add some size over the off season. I mean, he's, he is more of your prototypical outside receiver. Whereas you know, Evan Stewart plays outside, but he could easily play the slot, too. You could really move him around wherever you needed to. That's the thing that concerns me is, I, I, don't get me wrong, all of these guys are, are great receivers and have shown that they have the skill set to, to, to hold different kinds of receiving roles. But height-wise, if you looked at him like as NFL prospects, Evan Stewart, Moose Muhammad, Anaya Smith, all kind of the similar mold. Evan Stewart has the speed that maybe the other two don't have. And maybe um, the leap. Don't get me wrong. They, they, all of them are fast, but right. has an edge on speed then. Uh, and has the, the, the leap, which kind of makes him a bigger receiver than he really is. But it kind of falls into that same category of A&M having a lot of possession receivers. Uh, it would be good for A&M fans to see Evan Stewart be able to spread the field a little bit more and get behind defenses a little bit more than he did last year. I knew he, he, he was okay at it. See if he can take that step forward on it. Um, but yeah, then who's going to fit into that fourth receiver role? Because Moose Muhammad and Anaya Smith, for the most part, 
played the same position. You know, that's one of the reasons why he didn't get a lot of, of, of touches early on in his career is because he was playing that same position as Anias. So it'll be interesting to see how they organize these guys um, and, and make the most of, of those guys they have out there. Two things, Travis. One, I think this is where Anum's use of tight ends will really come in handy, especially with a guy like Donovan Green who – you know, really emerged the second half of the season and was becoming more of a threat in the passing game. Curious to see maybe what kind of steps forward he could possibly take into into 2023. Didn't see a lot of Jake Johnson last year, but you know he's a guy that that looks looks the part of a potential weapon at, at tight end, and not to mention still have a number of guys in that in that room. Uh, you think about Max, the, uh, Max, Max, Max Wright, Wright's Theo, coming back. He's coming back. Yeah. Theo Ostrom, we haven't even really seen much of him. Right. Signed a couple more guys. And so the other thing, too, is with, you know, Anum has some semi-proven commodities at running back. They're going to – I think they're going to have a good mix of depth between Le'Veon Moss, Amari Daniels, um, and I'm blanking on another, but – this could be a chance where maybe Anias sees some time in the backfield a little more potentially spread him out because Moose Muhammad really emerged as a threat when he went down. I mean, he had some really good games that second half of the season, especially when Anum's offense was really not that good. Mm-hmm. And so I'm curious to see, you know, how do they use Anias? Because I found it interesting when he posted this video this morning, he lists himself as a running back and a wide receiver, which I guess isn't necessarily a lie, but he's definitely played more wide receiver. How much do they maybe use him at running back a little more? Maybe get a guy like Moose on the field with him at the same time. That's, that is a really oh, good point. Oh, Ruben Owens, of course. Right. Uh, I that was is- like... What what am I thinking? Uh, that is a really good point, and and there could be a potential for him to uh, to slip into the backfield a little bit more. It looks like from that video he posted today that I know his his dad was has told me his recovery is going really well. They, the video showed him making cuts, doing drills, and something right. like that. So it looks like that that leg is is, is back and, and and healthy again. Um, will be interesting to see um, how how well how good that looks in spring practice. How back to one hundred percent is when uh, spring practice opens up yeah i guess the other question too now is you know anum's hired bobby petrino as offensive coordinator indications are maybe that jimbo's going to be a little less hands-on with the offense going to give it over to petrino but how, how how similar and maybe what wrinkles does petrino bring to the offense that is is gonna you know you know in, in A&M's hopes, take it to another level because clearly what was what they were using was not working. And so that is why they've made this move. Um, of course, go and check out Bob Holt's conversation with us on, on Bobby Petrino from a few weeks ago at least. Well, from when, when he uh, talked to this uh, Bob Holt that is about Bobby Petrino, I mean, one of the things he said about him is what, that his offense is getting the ball into his playmaker's hands if you want to overly sympath- simplify it. And Anaya Smith is a good... Uh, case study of that because right. he is that guy that can play in the backfield, play multiple wide receiver positions. So it will be pretty interesting to see um, how he's used in that uh, in that system. Nonetheless, a big win for the Aggies, uh, getting a key player back. Travis? Yeah, I'm going to actually shift gears on you a little bit because I know you follow this a little bit more closely than I do with, with what you do here at the Eagle. No signings on recruiting day. A&M stays pat. Um, how surprised or not surprised are you by that? Yeah, you know, that that is a little surprising. I think I've been more surprised at how little they've used the transfer portal, and mm-hmm. especially in the first window. 
you know, of course, there's going to be the window after spring ball, which, you know, we'll see what happens there. But, I mean, they signed what? Three guys out of the portal? I mean, you had Tony Grimes, Sam McCall, and, and Tyron Smith. Uh, looks like you had a few guys that are coming in as preferred walk-ons from maybe some group of five schools. But it, it, it seemed kind of underwhelming. I mean, when you considered, I mean, yes, a majority of AM's departures in the transfer portal were backups, guys that were not seeing time. And, you know, the guys who potentially were were the ones who got in trouble, of course. And the thing is, the thing that AM had in theory at least was was the depth right i mean they had a lot of youth they had a lot of injuries that was very hindering to them last year but when you looked at what maybe they had going forward it was it was the depth and the talent of depth that kind of was taken away a little bit when you consider what what they lost and really didn't replace a ton of it and you know had a pretty decent recruiting class given the season that they had um but I think that was probably the thing that jumped out to me the most was, you know, they didn't get the the number of guys that maybe you would have expected. I'm curious to see what their scholarship count is at, how many scholarship guys they have on roster right now. Yeah, I mean, just by the simple looking at things, they're still well below the 85 scholarships, right. um, not knowing if they've given any to, to walk-ons or or how that's going to go. And we have to mention, too, that there is still another transfer portal window that will open up after spring ball, uh, in, and, and that is a time where A&M could maybe uh, poach a few other players who, uh, through spring ball, found out maybe they weren't going to get the playing time they need or be in the role that they were going to need. It'll be yeah. interesting to see how they... It, it's probably not as talent-rich of a, of a window as the one right after the season, but there still is some options that could be... Uh, pulled from there see that's the thing is that if Anum was going to make some splashes out of the transfer portal the first window was probably the time to do it I mean sure there might be a few guys here and there that pop up in that second window but if that's the if, if the if the cream of the crops real small everybody else is going to be trying to get those guys too so you know kind of maybe a little bit of a head scratcher when you think about it um, and you know, linebacker is certainly a position where, you mm-hmm. know, there's still some question marks going to have a lot of youth. Uh, you know, I know they bring back Edrin Cooper and Chris Russell, but, um, they're, they're going to have to get some stuff into shape, not to mention still got to make a hire on, on each side of the ball, uh, need to hire uh, a guy to replace, um, Tyler Santucci. Tyler Santucci and they, they need a guy on the offensive side of the ball to replace Tommy Robinson mm-hmm. still haven't made a couple of assistant hires so curious to see how long that takes to, to finish up a lot of things still to take shape for sure well hey that's uh that's gonna do it for us today be sure to check the eagle.com for all of our coverage on AM sports including football so until next time we'll see you it seems like every day everything just has a way the way it must have seems but if we don't watch what we're doing, our hearts will get ruined by silly things. Good love ain't easy, girl, we know that's true. But if we want to keep it, we got to watch everything that we do, yeah, yeah. Don't want to make sure my baby, make sure you're sticking with me. Sure that will be all that we can be, all that we can be.
be 